This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marketing Trends. Super, super stoked to be back in the studio, start of the new year, 2024. And I just want to get right into it. Today, I'm here with someone I'm super pumped to connect with. This is someone that I, I learned about doing some research on some of the brands that he's worked with. And so I, I hit him up on LinkedIn. I was like, I got to get I gotta get this guy on the show. So we made it happen. His people contacted our people. And here we are today. I'm here with Uze Kim, experienced chief marketing officer, Forbes Kings of Culture nominee, formerly SVP Global Brand Marketing at Calvin Klein. You may have heard of them. I'm wearing them today. Shout out Calvin Klein. Global VP of Consumer Marketing and Artist Relations at Mac Cosmetics. Brand builder, storyteller. Let's get into it. What's going on, Uze? Jeremy, thanks for having me. Thanks for stalking me. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, so I heard about you through the waves at Inkbox. And so uh, that was, that was exceptional. And, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of the stuff that, that was happening there. Um, but ultimately yeah. it was just something about your vibe, Uze. Like there was something like about your, it was, I knew nothing about you. I had not heard your name before, but I was like, there was something about this, something about this human being. So, Thanks, so super stoked, man. What's, what's going on in your world right now? Like what's, what's happening? What are you paying attention to kind of give us the, the purview of Uze? Yeah, well, 2024, you know, looking for fresh new beginnings. Hopefully, it's a better, kinder world. Um, I recently joined a board of directors at Lower East Side Girls Club, so trying to give back and paying it forward and looking for ways to just, like, use my mind and expertise towards um, just sounds grand, but making the world a better place. Um, I love it. Doing some cool marketing along the way. I love it. Okay. So we we have a lot of we have a lot of marketing executives that that come on the show representing different brands, you know, Fortune 1000 and beyond. So what I'm curious about you is cuz you have such an interesting background, you've done some awesome things and we'll continue to do that, but let's just look at the kind of the world of marketing right now. I love how you said kind of marketing and culture. What's just what's your position on what's happening in marketing right now? Like uh, from what you've seen as a leader, but also like as a marketer involved in lots of different things, like what do you what do you see happening in the world of marketing right now that maybe other marketing leaders or other marketers are completely missing? Yeah, I mean, what I love about marketing is it's always evolving. Like you can't be static; you always got to be moving. And so the world is just rapidly changing every day. I mean, we always get like weird things being thrown at us, especially since twenty twenty. It's been like a wild ride since then, and you know the pedal has not been let up. So um, it's been accelerating. So I just think 2024 is going to be even more dramatic changes. I think we're going to see even more like advances in AI. I think we're going to see this whole proliferation of like offline, online experiences. I think we're going to see like a, be, a back to basics for people in terms of things they care about, how they want to engage in brands. So it's like funny now that like cookies are going to be gone. I think marketers need to be more conscious of actual like targeting and actually understanding the consumers and like how to reach them and how to talk to them and doing things and delivering experiences that they care about. Um, it's about talking with them, not talking at them. So I think there's a lot of great stuff that's been coming this year. Is there anything particularly 
about like your approach to marketing that maybe you've seen other marketing leaders go left and then you go right? Like, are there things like different where, you know, again, we have a lot of different perspectives and opinions when it comes to marketing yeah. and marketing leadership. But since you've been in the game, you've worked in lots of different, uh, lots of places, done some some dope things. Is there is there any kind of, maybe it's a back to basics thing, maybe it's something else, but is there something where you see where it's maybe you do something more polarizing, right? Where you you prefer to go down this path because of this reason and because of this, you know, experience, or do you really look at the whole picture in a different way? Like, how do you view it versus other people? Because I'm sure there's people that maybe don't do the same things you do. Yeah. So, what's some of the things in marketing that you that you maybe feel like people are missing, or you're zigging, they're zagging? Yeah, I mean, my approach to marketing has always been about trying to find the areas of disruption. So it's not about like following the pack and like, you know, I've been, I've been very fortunate in being able to move around different industries and categories. I think what that allows me to do is come in always with a fresh perspective and not be like burdened down with all the, like the tropes and the misconceptions and recycling the same ideas that happen over and over again. I just try to go in looking at, all right, who's the consumer, right? What do they need? What are they getting right now? You know, how do we make it a better experience for them? And then how do you deliver something that's unexpected? And then do it in a way that's refreshing and actually adds value to their lives. So, so that's sort of the, the philosophy that I always have going into any marketing opportunity is like start with the consumer, understand what's happening in the consumer landscape. Um, and to your point, then like if everyone's over here, what's happening over here? Like why isn't anyone playing this area? Is there something rich here that has been untapped? Let's explore that and see if we can own this space. Because I think the biggest role of like marketing brand leaders is how do you make a brand stand out, right? Like you don't want to blend in with everyone else. That's a, to me, that's a death of brand is when you blend in. You want to pop, mm. you want to be top of mind, you want to stand out, uh, you want to feel kind of left of center. So uh, so I always look for those kind of opportunities. And that's kind of what excites me. It's it's interesting to think about the consumer landscape. I love that you brought that up because it's like, I find that because of the speed that the, I mean, it's like the velocity that the world is moving and how it seems like if the, if the, like every touch point that a brand gets to make with the consumer or prospective, you know, customer, it's like every touch point matters now more than ever, where people are so quick to say, if they're, if they're not getting an experience engaging with some customer support or some sales rep or some whatever ex exchange with the brand, they're quick to bounce, right? Yep. Yep. And so how do you meaningfully connect with the consumer, right? Across the landscape, like you said, where where they stay and they stick. Now you've done this before. Maybe you can give us some examples, but it, I know for me as a consumer, like it seems like my tolerance is small, right? Even for brands that I've worked with for a long time where I'm like, Look, if you're not doing this, five other brands are doing this right now. I'm literally just going to go there. Like I have no no time for this, right? How do you navigate that? Because it's a world where we can just make choices and quick and change in a moment. No, I love that you brought that up because to me, it's about having a one brand mindset. It's like it doesn't matter what the touch point is, and I I think it comes down to also how organizations are structured. I've seen some places where you know marketing is split between like you have your performance marketing, you have your brand marketing, and then you have consumer success teams over here. And it's like, you know, it's like for the for the customer, for the consumer, they're just looking to use one brand. So if you're speaking one way over here, and then over here, that's like a negative experience, and over here is a negative experience. Like that's not all adding up to you. What you say is like I'm bouncing, I'm out. Like I'm not going to pick you because like you made me feel like crap. So it's about like owning that whole ecosystem owning the entire consumer journey 
and then making sure that everything's connected and also everything's really cool. So like whenever I've gone into roles, I want to try to own all those touch points, right? I want to make sure that everyone is following the same brand brief. Everyone has the same strategy. Everyone understands the voice. So it's like, it doesn't matter if you're seeing an ad or if it's like, you know, an ad on TV or in a cinema or in a magazine or in a billboard or, you know, a performance ad you see on Instagram, or if you're calling customer service because your delivery is late, like it should all have the same vibe, right? And if it doesn't, you're like, wait a minute, like, who am I talking to? Like, why is it all disconnected? So, and it drives me crazy in today's world when I, when I find those examples where like, I'll be all hyped up in a brand, I'll buy something, it doesn't work and I'll call them and they, they treat me like they've never met me. And it's like, I just gave you my money, right? So I want that money back because like, I don't believe in you because you don't believe in me. You're not investing. So so I'm always trying to find those connections and deliver like the optimal experience for that consumer. I'm curious about like when you're like from an outside perspective, you're looking at a brand like Inkbox, for example, and you spent, you spent time there. Do you like start at the customer journey yourself and like, okay, now I'm, you know, I'm coming into Inkbox. Like I want to experience every touch point myself. Do you yeah. actually do that and say, okay, Absolutely. now I'm coming in through chat or I'm coming in through email or I'm coming in through phone. I'm going to buy something. Do you yourself go through that process? And what, what's, yeah, what is that process like for you? hundred percent. I think, and that starts even with the interview process before they get the job. I'm always like, all right, I want to come as a consumer. So like I will I will stock the stores if they're in store. I'll talk to associates. I'll ask them opinions on a product. I'll ask them to do demos. I'll order things online. I want to go through the whole thing to understand like what is that journey and then like where are the pain points, if there are any, and then how do you solve them? Or if there's areas of brilliance. And I also want to like, you know, give credit where credit is due and talk about that. But like you have to come at it with a consumer men- mindset. And if you don't understand what that means to be a consumer because you're like stuck in a boardroom or behind your desk. Like, you know, you're never going to deliver that great experience. One thing I'll say is like when I started at Mac Cosmetic years ago, they had this program where everyone needs to learn to be a makeup artist because uh, Mac is makeup based on makeup artistry. So even though I wasn't working obviously on the floor behind the counter, like I had to go through one week of basic training. And that was amazing wow. because I got to really like experience what that felt like and, and use the tools and, I was, I was better than they thought I would be. So, um, but it was like, it was eye-opening to understand like, all right, you know, what's that, what's that dynamic? Like what are consumers, customers coming in for? And then how do you treat them? And then how do you speak about the product? Right. I think every leader needs to go through that. And I know like Starbucks has something even more radical where everyone has to work behind the counters. Like you hear about stories like this, but I think there's value behind that because you need to like, get yourself on the same level as a consumer. If you're always trying to like be above them and not understand what it's like for them, they feel it, right? They feel that it's not genuine, it's not authentic. How can brands get that right at scale, right? Or, or, or where do brands get it wrong? Where it's like, maybe they had this unified approach and okay, everything is unified, but then things start to shift. And all of a sudden these customers and prospects are having a different experience. And then this product, you know, all these things can happen. Like, where do you think, brands get it wrong or where, where do they kind of lose their way? Cause I, I imagine at size and scale with a lot of products and things that are being sold and services being sold, especially at the highest level, it can get distorted and it can get confusing. Right. And then it's like, you have all these silos doing different things and then their brand experience it's changed. Right. Dilution definitely is sort of like caused by scale. That's just a natural thing of like the larger you get, the less you're going to, you're, you're fully back from the center. Right. So things are going to get lost. I think from a brand management perspective, it's, it's really important to have standards and have those standards documented. 
So, you know, brand standards, training guidelines. Again, it's about like touching, being connected to all the touch points. So like me and my career, I've worked with sales team and training teams and gone in there and sat with them and be like, all right, this is how you demonstrate the product. This is how you sell it. This is how you use it. This is how you speak about the brand. These are the talking points. You know, these are the message points. So there is that consistency that eventually over time it becomes practice in the beginning, but then eventually becomes the second nature. I think that has to be really intentional management um, and you can't let that slide. It really comes down to the team just staying on top of it. Yeah. It seems like that has to be a focus for sure. And, and it can't, yeah, like the, the, I love how you said just the one brand mindset, right? If like, if you can keep, if you can keep that, if you can keep that concept very relevant to the business, especially if you have multiple lines of, of products and services, if you can create that unified brand, then it's going to reinforce the company's values, the messaging, regardless of the product or the service. And I think that's exceptional. And also internally, like you have to have the mindset of that we're all one team. You can't have silos where it's like, oh, well, marketing, so I'm doing this. Or like I've been to organizations, I'll come in like, oh, you're the brand guy. So like, you need to do this. I'm like, no, we're all the brand, right? Like we're all bringing it to life at all the different roles and responsibilities. So like we all have to work off this, the same template. So it has to be a shared responsibility and not a handoff just to one group. Hmm. Do you pay attention to like other funnels or campaigns at other brands? Like I imagine that, you know, it's kind of, you can't, you can't unsee what you've seen, right? You can't unknow <laughs> what you know now. And so you're probably very biased when it comes to marketing and marketing leadership, just because you have experience. And so um, just think about like, is there any funnel or marketing campaign that you've seen that are like, you're like, this is the worst thing I've seen. I can't believe I saw that. And then maybe this is, I'm really impressed with this brand and this funnel and this this campaign. Anything that pops up around what you've seen in, in recent past? Oh, all the time. I'm not going to go into what I think is horrible because that's mean. Um, so I'm not going to bad talk <laughs> okay. anymore. But certainly <laughs> over the holiday season, as I was shopping, there were a few customer experience issues I ran to with some brands, but I was just like, just my, my mind is blown of like, how disconnected it was. This is how not seamless and omni-channel it was. It's like the store was saying one thing and .com was saying another. It was like they were not like one brand. So yeah, I've had, had a lot of those. I gravitate towards brands that are just willing to take chances that embrace storytelling and emotion. That's what I love about marketing. Marketing to me is not just about pushing product and a message. It's about connecting with the hearts of your consumer. Um, and I think marketing that is more emotional and is more heartfelt, I think is are the ones that you that you care about and you think about. It's like there's that old adage, it's like if you win their hearts, you win their dollars. So it's mm. about like speaking something speaking here, not just here. And that's like owning the entire experience again. Wow. Now I also imagine that you come into an organization like a Calvin Klein, right? Or or a Mac Cosmetics, right? Or an Inkbox. And like, you're coming in with this perspective and this experience, right? You have this dynamic insight. You have depth of experience. You you, you bring all that to the table. Here comes the, you know, the, the toolkit that Uze brings to the shop. And now you have all these people inside of the organization that you now have to win over, right? And you've got to, you've now got to start to build these bridges and build this trust. And so, What's your approach there, right? Because now you're you're walking into egos and other KPIs and competing op- opinions, and that's one of the most interesting things I find with the the marketing leader, especially today, is like you've got to be so good at that kind of thing too. Um, what are some of the tools you pull out in that case, right? When you're coming into an organization that's been doing it a certain way, yeah. and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like if we're if we're trying to get there, like 
we got to go this way, not that way. But yet you have everybody internally or, or maybe some of the stakeholders being like, mm, no. How do you begin to, to create that one brand mindset and start to bring some of your ideas in where, the, where there's change made? Dude, you're talking about my entire career. Like that's been like every job <laughs> I've walked into is like, oh, okay. Like how do I how do I create disruption without scaring people off? Right? How do I bring people along that journey and lead them where they embrace it and not you know try to throw me out the door? So number one, I always try to lead with empathy, and that is not only internally but also just how I treat the consumer. Right? Understanding their needs and then similarly internally, like what are the needs of the people you're working with? Right? So coming in with the respect. And humility. Certainly, I'll have some, you know, initial thoughts and perspectives about what's going on. But you really want to listen, right? I think that's number one: is go in, meet with your stakeholders, hear their side of the story, understand what's going on, but also objectively speak to the consumer. So, like a lot of times, I find coming into an organization, they have one theory or perspective on the business or the brand, right? Because they've been in it day to day, right? So they, they they look at it a certain way and they're biased for sure. And then it's great to then talk to the consumers and outside stakeholders, get their opinions. Quite often is very different and quite often is more positive. Um, so that's great learning to bring into organization, be like, hey guys, it's not all bad. Here are the things that our consumers care about and they are saying about us. These are things we can build on. There's an opportunity here to like drive real positive change. This is what it might look like. So I think that's a great starting point is, you know, come into the, come in treating people as human beings, right? Respect what their roles are. You never want to come in as like, you know, a bull in a china shop, just like come in and try to like wipe away the whole team or like make all these dramatic changes before you even spend like an hour um, sitting down and having lunch with somebody, which I have seen in other organizations as well. And that usually doesn't work out well because you don't have the buy-in and you really need that in order to drive like true organizational change. You need ambassadors internally. You need supporters. Like it cannot be a one-person uh, team making all these changes. You need people along the way pushing you. But then you also got to balance the goals and the stakeholders. It's like it's like it's like that. It's like you know coming in as an empathetic leader, being curious, listening. Which I, I love that you said that. It's some, that's some of my favorite favorite answer is when a marketing leader says the first thing I do is just listen. And like yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, and like you still are stepping into like these big, hairy, audacious goals, probably, if they're bringing you in to, to, to support that, you also have to balance velocity and speed, and but also like connecting with people. And like, and you know, so again, like give us some of that, like how you're kind of balancing that and, and then have further, but I just curious how you did it. Cause you have to certainly connect and have empathy and there's also goals and objectives. And so where's the, the tension in that? And how do you, you know, how do you to press through that and then bring people on and win them over to support you? Yeah, again, it's about like not doing it by yourself. So making sure that from the very beginning, you have the right people in the room. And that it's also clear to your point, like, what are the long term objectives, right? Like, what is a North Star? And that's key for leadership is like, hey, if I don't, I'm not clear on what we're trying to achieve, then I will raise my hand and be like, hey, I don't know what we're all here to do. Like, you've asked me to do this one thing. But like, how does this affect everyone else in the room and on the team? That's key. So there's got to be a larger big picture, a larger North Star that we as again, this goes back to like one brand, one team. What are we all trying to achieve together? 
that makes it easier because then it's like it's not just about me and it's not just it's not, not them versus me it's about us collectively and how do we get there and then, then showing them the journey and how we do get there so i think that's really important and from a leadership perspective it's got to be clear um and if it's not clear how do you bring clarity and collaborate on that and then also what's really important as i said is like get some objective input on that so you know, speak to the consumer, find out what's happening in their lives, find out what's happening in the consumer landscape, what's happening in culture. Um, you know, where can the brand live? Where can we navigate? You know, because a lot of times internally there's bias and like, oh, we should be selling X, Y, and Z and we should be in this market or in the store. And it's like, you talk to consumers, like, no, they don't see us this way. They see us over here, right? So it's like, you gotta, and sometimes you don't want to be so, literal and directive and just do everything the consumer says you either because that's where you got to like you know navigate the right two, uh bridge those two ideas so you know there's a there's a finesse and a magic that comes into play and so i think that's where experience comes into play too and hopefully that's something that i can bring i also noticed that in the you know in the ever-evolving field of marketing there are there seem to be certain practices and mindsets right that are probably once considered essential and I think they're becoming outdated and less effective over time. Like for example, the four keys, right? Yeah. I mean, another one is like the overemphasis on vanity metrics, right? Focusing too much on the metrics like page views and likes and followers. And, you know, that can be misleading. And, and those metrics don't always necessarily translate to business success or even customer engagement. And so there's, you know, the one size fits all approach and, or, ignoring customer feedback, neglecting mobile optimization. There's lots of interesting things that I feel like have become less effective over time. We'll just love to hear, yeah, like how you view that because I think that can get really busy too of like, well, look at all these, well, look over here, this shiny thing here. And like, well, we've always talked about this thing. It's the most important. And like, is it though? Is it the most important? And how you kind of navigate that? Yeah, I think it goes back to defining what the strategy is and what the objectives are and using that as like, what are we trying to achieve and why are we doing this? So a lot of times an organization is like, they're trying to do 20 things at once, right? So you get like this overlap and burnout. And it's like, you know, what are we here to do and why are we doing this? It's like, you need prioritization. So that's where you need that clarity of like, all right, these are like five objectives, right? Here's a strategy. And these are the reasons why these programs are getting the green light. These are ones maybe we're, we're going to pause on. And then also to your point about like metrics, it's like, all right, what are we analyzing, right? How do we know we've we succeeded or we've reached that level of success? So you got to be clear on the upfront. I mean, some things are going to be really clear and really like, you know, performance marketing, the numbers there, you'd like, you know, you're going to get your click-through rates, you're going to get your CACs, all that stuff is very measurable. On the brand side, it's, it is more about like the engagement, not so much about the likes, but it's like, my philosophy has always been as a leader, as a business leader or a marketing leader, whatever, our job is to make the fan, make our consumers fall in love with us, fall in love with the brand, hands down. That's what we're here to do, right? So how do you measure that is, you know, are they talking about us, right? What are their perspectives? What are their brand perceptions? Are they considering us? Um, what's the buzz around us? So some of that is earned. What are they saying? What they're calling customer service? You know, what are their satisfaction studies? All that goes into the, into the data set because you really, again, it's about building brand up, in my opinion. It's like, that's when you know you found success because that's when you have lasting, you have staying power. It's not just a transaction. It's about they, they really care. 
I love that. I, I love that. It's like keep, keeping that as like a part of the North Star or maybe the North Star is like, how are we making people fall in love with a brand, right? Are we establishing such a strong brand identity that it's so compelling? What do you do at like an ink box, for example, like, or, you know, for example, like, do, are you, are you changing the story? Like when you come into an organization where you're seeing like, well, we actually maybe need to shift the story more than even the product, right? Like, are you, are you, how do you do that? You got a brand that's doing really well. They're growing, they're exploding. You know, you're, you're a part of that growth. You're coming on board. Um, yeah. Like how do you really shape the brand's identity? How do you make them fall in love with the brand? If the brand's already on a path, right? Yeah. Is it just adding more or is it subtraction? Like what is it your approach there? Yeah. Again, it's always about evolution. Like I said early on, it's like a brand can't stand still. You can't be static. You always have to be moving. So you start with, all right, what makes a brand great? So you look at, you know, what's your brand purpose? What's their mission? What's their value system? Hopefully that's all clarified. If not, let's clarify that and make sure that everyone internally is on board with that and understands it. And it's clear because you can only get the consumer to understand who you are if you know who you are yourself. It's kind of like therapy, right? It's like you got to figure out yes. before other people yes. can care about you or if you can love other people, right? So it's very it's very human in that sense. And then it's like, all right, you have that. And then look at what equity have we built so far, right? So what are we getting credit for? What do consumers care about? What do they credit us with? So, and use that as a building block. So, you know, like look at where you're, you're falling short on and then look at those as opportunities of like, all right, we're going to fill in that gap by doing X, Y, and Z. So, I mean, that was kind of a sort of situation at, at Calvin. Calvin was at that time, like, you know, it's just one of the most iconic fashion brands around, but it gotten kind of like tired and quiet um, after the 80s and 90s. And it was like, all right, how do we reboot? Um, how do we make the brand as progressive and cool as interesting again? And it was about like, all right, well, let's look at our core equities. Like what makes Calvin unique? You know, what do we stand for? How, do, how was it? Why was it so disruptive? And then looking at what's happening today. So again, like tipping into the consumer landscape and culture. Like what's relevant today? Like what are the markers? What's the baselines? Because the baselines today are going to be different from they were like 20, 30 years ago. So you need to understand that and use those as your guardrails. And then you figure out, all right, where am I going to insert my brand? And then you use that as a launch point of moving forward. So, Wow. What are some of your favorite tools, right? As a marketing leader and perhaps maybe some productivity tips, right? Or some newsletters, some content that you're following. Um, give us some of the things that kind of, yeah, take us inside the genius of Uze. I speak a lot about the consumer, but I think that's really important. That should be, for many cases, most cases, your starting point. Having an insights team or some access to insight as a tool. So understanding not only like what customers are saying when they're writing in, but also like from all your socials, what are the conversations? And then doing the work, doing research, going out there in the field, talking to people on the street, finding out like what, what turns them on, like, you know, what are they looking at? Like, who are they talking about? I think it's really important to constantly have that inflow of insights because again if you're just sitting behind your desk you're in a boardroom all day like you're just talking to yourselves um so you need to have that <laughs> right. freshness and intelligence from the outside world because that's who you're trying to speak to right is like people outside your walls so so i think that's key number one as a huge tool and then you know it comes down to team you got to have the right structure you have to have the right organization under you um and around you supporting you uh, goes back to the whole one team philosophy. It can't just be a marketing thing. It has to be an organizational thing. But you really have to have true collaboration. I am someone that is all about teamwork. Um, so it's never like a one person deal. And I've always tried to bring that into organizations where there are silos. It's like, 
I don't care about silos. We're going to knock those down. So, because um, we're going to work together and get this done. So, I mean, that's probably the biggest tool for me is like just having colleagues and the supporters along the way. It seems like there's like a proliferation of newsletters these days, especially. I mean, I, I subscribe. I subscribe to a to a bunch of them, and I don't always read them. But I'm, but the ones that I, that I do catch, I'm like, man, this is good. Even the ones that are written by AI, I'm like, damn, this isn't. This is pretty exceptional. <laughs> is there any content that you're like that you, that you're like, yep, when this comes through, I read it, or you know, or any any blogs, any kind of newsletters, any kind of stuff like that that you that you do pay attention to or that you're taking in. Yeah, it's a great question. There isn't any one that comes to mind. There are like you, I am subscribed to a lot of different newsletters. Like I constantly follow Hypebeast, Isonaut, Society, Business of Fashion, for sure. Uh, but also like I every morning I wake up and I listen to uh, NPR podcast. Uh, that's how I get my news okay. as well as um, sometimes the New York Times Daily. I'll listen to the Financial Times podcast, which may be surprising, but it's for me good to have, again, great mix of outside perspectives because I just want to know what's happening in the world, right? Because it's like, it's all eventually going to come back to you and the consumer and the business. So what are the outside factors that are, are, that are out there? Um, always want to stay informed on that. And then I live in New York City and I live right near Washington Square Park and Union Square. So to talk about the field research I talked about, I, every given like Saturday, Sunday, will go out there and sit for a couple hours and just like watch. Watch the crowd, see what the kids are wearing, what they're listening to, what they're doing, I can know in one afternoon what the trends are coming up just by like watching them walk by. So that's hugely important for me to just like stay in the mix and figure out, trying to like try to figure out what's upcoming and relevant or even just what's current now. Again, it's like, I'm not, you probably get the sense. It's like, I'm not someone who's good just at his desk. I like mm. to move and just like get experiencings and jump in the mix. And uh, it's like, I used to, I wanted to be a DJ when I was younger. So in school, I experimented it like that. So like, I really believe it's like the best marketers are ones that are able to like mix things together, right? Pull from different inspirations and then make something new and shiny. So I love the trend watching tip and just like you know, get up from your desk, yeah. go outside and like engage with the world and see what the world is doing because it's changing rapidly. Rapidly. And I, I love that. I think that's amazing. You obviously have been deep in the D to C space, right? And and understand that from a, glo- a global marketing perspective. Are you going to stick in that? Are you going to stick to that space? Are you going to look in other other industries and kind of and and go a little more diverse? Are you? I mean, you obviously know the D to C space, but what's your what's your plans moving forward? Here's my deal. So this is one of my biggest pet peeves, and I'm going to get I'm, I'm going to look for my like my my soapbox. I'm getting my box. <laughs> I cannot stand the phrase DTC. I just okay. like, I don't okay. understand it. I think it's so outdated and limiting. It's like, like there's no kid out there who like go up or, or hang out in the club and be like, yo, I just got this hot jacket from a DTC. Like no one's <laughs> saying that, right? No one uses that language. It's such a weird like internal businessy whatever. Like it should start with the consumer. Like who are you targeting, right? Who do you want to service? What are their needs are? And then you as a brand and a business, how are you going to make them lives better and how are you going to make them fall in love with you? So it's not about the channel. It's about delivering a seamless experience to the consumer. So, you know, it's not about being in one channel or the other. It's about like being wherever it matters most to them. So again, I understand that entrepreneurs in the beginning is an easier, cheaper way of getting started, uh, but it's got to evolve. Even at, at Inkbox, which was a pure DTC when I first joined, 
realize that like, all right, like we, we probably should be in some physical channels because people want to touch and feel the product. And I'll tell you this one example is like, I was, we were partnering with Live Nation on a couple of things. And so we were activating at EDC in Vegas. And so I had this whole like tech thing activation. We were like doing tattoo applications. It was like all cool. And I had throughout the day, like fans running up to be like, oh, wow, it's Inkbox. I was like, wow, you're real. And I'm like, yeah, like, what does that mean? We're real. He's like, yeah, well, you know, I've, I've seen your ads on Instagram, whatever. And I, I thought about it, but like, I didn't see you anywhere else. So I thought it might be a scam. Mm. There was such value in them coming to a place and physically seeing you and talking to a person that's real in person. And like, and that just led to a, a greater brand impression for them. All right. And it, it led them into a higher level of consideration and awareness. So, so I think that my very unpolitically correct and probably obnoxious advice to DTCs is don't let your channel limit you, right? Don't let mm. that limit your dream of who you are as a brand, as a business. In the beginning, it might be you're delivering only online, but there's also other ways to connect with your consumers that's going to add value. So, so I don't know, whenever I hear DTC, I'm just like, to me, that's just so limiting. I love your answer. I love the soapbox that you stand on. No, absolutely not. It's fantastic. It's great. I was like, yes, no, no, no. Honestly, I mean, because it's like you, as again, like you're, to me, it's like I'm experiencing you to, to zoom out of that, out of the, you know, the acronyms and just staying true to marketing and marketing leadership, which is not, not confined to the word DTC, right? Or mm. retail, right? It's it's how do we connect with this thing that we call a customer and a consumer and how do we really understand them? It's all commerce. Right, it? right. Okay, let's do some lightning round questions. I know Hillary's got to jump, but okay. First question and try to answer these, you know, from the gut, from your intuition. Okay, first question. What's one hobby you have that might surprise people? One of my biggest passions is actually cooking. I love to cook, which is a little bit like DJing is I love mixing different flavors together and inspirations from different cultures. Um, and I never cook from a recipe. I always cook from taste and my eyes. Wow. So it's about like layering flavors and layering textures and colors. Okay. Last question. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give younger Uze? Take up space. I've spoken about this a few times, but uh, growing up is like, one, being young, right? And not knowing your worth and just trying to like get by. Two, being a person of color, um, Asian descent, and almost always being the only one or one of two people in the room that look like me. You know, I always felt like I had to hold back. Uh, even my mom growing up told me like, don't be too loud. Don't make too much noise. Like kind of just get by. Be the smartest person in the room, but kind of get by. And so I would tell that person, speak up make noise, speak your mind, take up space. Mic drop. I love it. Uze, <laughs> incredible conversation. Thank you so much for being a part of this Thank conversation. You. Let's definitely stay connected right. and wishing you the best on the road ahead. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Hey, it's Jeremy. Before we get back to this incredible Marketing Trends interview, I just wanted to let you know that roughly 70,000 people are listening to this show just like you. And millions more are seeing the episode link in their social media feeds. That doesn't even account for the 22,000 plus subscribers who will have this episode sent right to their inboxes and mobile devices. If you're interested in having your company's logo and advertising appear in front of a captive and growing audience, 
reach out to infoadmission.org to see how you can sponsor the show connecting your brand to millions of people and the world's finest marketing minds.